what, if you were going to give someone a reason to listen to this, mm-hmm. what would you say? I would say it's it's a it's on a topic that's a very timely issue right now for most people, and it's finally coming out in the open mm-hmm. and and Jen is giving you um, some spin on it as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and unfortunately uh, a long time sufferer of mental illness. Yeah. Thanks mom. Good job. I see we've got someone and action. Are you doing a podcast? <laughs> no, it's not. Hi, hello. What's up? I always wanted to have my own advice column, and I think this episode gets me one step closer. If you know me, you know I love giving advice. Taking it, not so much, but I'm working on that. But enough about me. This episode is all about you. I'm going to answer a bunch of the questions that you emailed me in regards to all things work-related, career, business growth, pursuing your passions, and professional success alongside mental health struggles. Think of it as a gift from me to you. Is it your birthday? Feels like it's your birthday. All right, here we go. Hello, 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 hello. So a couple weeks ago, I asked on Instagram for people to send me questions that I would answer on my podcast. Here's why. We started something at Bando called Honor Roll about blank years ago. <laughs> I think it was four years ago. I just can't, I can never remember. But it's a free advice series that we started. It was something I initiated because I felt like, um, I don't know, we were five or six years in, so it might have been five years ago. And I felt like I had learned so much about business in that time and really wanted to be able to share it uh, because I remember being sort of at the beginning and feeling very lost and not understanding. So we used to do 15-minute one-on-one sessions and you could come meet with like our graphic designers or our social media or me and we would, you know, answer answer as many questions as we could in that period of time. And and it helped a lot of people and we've evolved it since then and have done some videos and I've done like a marathon of one-on-ones with people. Um, now we do a monthly series called Honor Roll. So once a month, we choose a Wednesday night, we get some wine and a nice charcuterie, and we invite our community in to talk about different topics. So we've done some mental health ones. I mostly do business-related things, but... It seems like no matter what the topic is, the conversation ends up sort of tackling a bunch of different subjects, which feels great to me. I'm not one to color within the lines, as they say. So it's it's such a great thing, and I had been trying to find a way to bring that to the podcast, and I haven't figured out how to make Bando a live studio audience yet. So I thought I would just take some questions and answer them, and I feel like you guys sent me well over a hundred questions. <laughs> so I've organized them into categories and I'm just going to answer them. And then Lauren, my editor is going to do her magic and decide if we break it up. Maybe, maybe this is a two episode thing. Maybe this is a multi multiple episode thing. Maybe this is, there's one on friendships. There's one on how to start a career. 
and we can keep it ongoing. So if you if you have questions, please continue to send them to me at jgok at bando.com and just put the topic or subject matter of your question in in the subject of the email. That's very helpful for me and especially for Deb, my assistant, because she helps me organize all of that since organization is not my strong suit. So maybe don't send through questions on organization because I would be horrible at answering them. Anyways, last thing I'll say is giving advice is a personal passion of mine. It is sometimes annoying for people because it's hard for me to keep my thoughts for my to myself. I I usually wait till someone asks, but sometimes if I see an opportunity to help someone with personal betterment in any way, shape, or form, I usually tell them what, what I think. And it's mostly because I'm almost 47 and I feel like I've had a life, a lot of life experience and I've read a lot and I've had a lot of therapy and tried a lot of things and I'm an experiential learner, so I've retained a lot through there. And I just think, where are we without help from others? So without further ado, I give you me reading questions from you that I will then answer. Here we go. Uh, So these are all questions that are career-related. I haven't read these yet, so I'm going to do it the way we do it at Honor Roll because I don't get the questions ahead of time. People just ask and then I answer on the spot, and I think that's the best thing to do. Okay, Catherine asks, in a recent episode, you spoke on following your passion, but my biggest question is how to find it. I don't really feel a drive towards anything that pulls me hard enough to actually go try and do it, but I have small passions about a lot of things. Do I just choose one and try to figure out how... If that's the one I could follow into a career? If so, how do I make a career out of a smaller creative passion? If not, how do I find my driving passion in life? Very good question, Catherine. First of all, being able to identify any passion at all is important because I don't feel like we necessarily are taught that growing up. Now, I haven't been in school in a long ass time, but I never heard the word passion until I was a grown up. And the value in plugging into your passion, so the things that, so in my mind, passion are the things that fuel you, the ideas that fuel you. Oh my God, why am I making myself say the a word? <laughs> it's like alternative. I can't say that. Um, although I just did, so maybe I'm maybe I'm over it. Your personal interests, just like what you do in your in your spare time, what you wake up excited about, those are your passions. Couple things to know about them. Yeah, maybe you don't have anything right now. Well, th- there's ways to address that. The other thing is they change. The things I was passionate about 20 years ago, a lot of them I don't care about. Some of them I still care about. Some I care about more, some I care about less. Your experiences lead you to engage with different things and different people and create different passions. So the first thing I would say is look at what you're doing in your spare time, like what you're not getting paid to do. What what are those things? And see if you can draw a line between any of them and a career. And for a lot of people, plugging into their passion as a career is not part of the deal. And I, I remember being really stumped at like 
20 something and my mom just saying, why don't you just get a job, get a job and then do the stuff that you enjoy on the weekends or at night. You know, she's like a lot of your friends are like that, you know, they're pharmaceutical reps or accountants or, you know, they, they work for a corporation and it just, that just did not resonate with me, but I didn't, I think you're either one or the other. And I know for the type of industry that I'm in, which is essentially creative entrepreneurship, I really depend on people being plugged into their passion. So I depend on the product designers to be amped about product design. And I want the director of marketing to like love marketing so much and connecting with people and, you know, driving sales through those connections. And I want a graphic designer to like be looking on Pinterest or at a museum thinking about graphic design in their spare time. It makes a huge difference in your work. So this is the part in honor roll where I'm like, did I answer your question? But Catherine's not here to let me know. I, I would say in a nutshell, release some of the pressure if you know you have some small passions, write those down and let's see first if you can't, even if it's just getting an internship with someone, doing something close to what you're doing. I That's how I started a lot of, of what I was doing. And then I think it's, it is really about soul searching and then just a knowledge base of like the types of jobs that are out there and how you can take what you love and turn it into something, whether that's going to be working for someone else or doing something for yourself. Okay hope that helps. I say that at the end of everyone too. So get ready. Okay. Shiloh asked, as someone who is shy and a bit of an introvert, how do you learn to step out of your comfort zone and network at events? I am so shy that I get incredibly awkward and feel that I'm not networking enough or that I know really what to say and how to engage with people in the business realm. So... Believe it or not, I too was once an introvert. I am not anymore. But honestly, networking events still make me nervous. And and I feel like I have a lot to talk about in the business realm. Um, What I will say, and actually something that we're doing at Bandeau based off the Honor Roll series is creating a, a Facebook group so that people can network digitally. I say that with such pride and confidence. I didn't even really know about Facebook groups until like a month ago at our last Honor Roll when someone is like, do you have a Facebook group for this? So I actually think that the advantage of the modern day is that introverts have have an advantage that they didn't have before, which is digital everything. So any kind of communications, emails, you know, it's just the same as like, how do I approach someone for a job? It's like, now you can do it electronically. And I do think, you know, looking at Facebook groups and and through all sorts of social media, how you connect with other people helps. The other thing is like, again, just remember at those sorts of events, everyone is nervous. Everyone is nervous. And I wouldn't put too much weight on um, walking out of there with, you know, some major contact or I think if you can have a meaningful conversation with one person, that's great. I mean, the other thing is like, don't, you don't have to carry other people's reactions. And I think if you know that they're, 
they're just as worried as you are, which is just like a good thing for life. Everyone's in their own head. No one, no one is really even thinking about you when, when it comes down to it. Just try and enjoy it. And honestly, people won't even know if you're not talking to anybody else. Just walk around and see if you can get eye contact with someone. Maybe you can identify someone else who looks like an introvert and just talk to them. And and it doesn't even have to be about business. You know, I think so much of business really in the end is about friendships and relationships. And obviously, your skill set and your resume is important. But when I'm looking for someone to work at Bandeau, I ask my friends and they ask me. And if one of the girls in the office can vouch for someone who's an applicant, that helps. Like th- those things are important. So the, you know, I would think of it as a way to make friends and less of a networking event. My mom used to force me to go to networking events. I didn't really go. She tried to force me and I was like, no way. Cause it just the, I thought I would turn to dust if someone talked to me. So I get it, but you can do it. Just get out there and make some friends. And if they just have to be online first, that's okay too. Okay, this is an anonymous question. This person that has no name asks, how do I prevent myself from comparing my business to others that are similar and look more successful on social media aside from blocking accounts and simply not looking? Great question, stranger. (laughs) Comparison is the thief of joy. I did not make that up. It's a popular saying. Maybe future Jen can come in and tell us where that came from. Hi, hi. Future Jen here with the answer. I always have the answer, don't I? It was none other than our 26th president, Theodore Roosevelt, that said, comparison is the thief of joy. Back to you, JG. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. But it's true. And something that I've always struggled with, I, I I do it a lot less now, but when we were starting Bandel, I was like comparing us to J. Crew and not and I could not figure out like why did they like look what they're doing and they they have new products every week and look at all these how beautiful their e blasts are and um look at look at these gorgeous colors. And um and then one day it occurred to me that there's probably hundreds or thousands of people that work at J. Crew instead of just two people. The flip side of that is like social media is a lie just across the board. I mean, even for me, someone who is like chronically transparent, that's not the word I want to use, (laughs) but the other word I was going to use was chronologically transparent. (laughs) Anyways, you get it. I'm so transparent. But even then, there are things that I don't talk about because if it has to do with with something else or like a a privacy issue, I, I obviously keep it to myself. But most people don't even follow that. Like they they you're they're using social media to create a picture of of success so that their business grows. But everyone struggles. Everyone struggles. I have never met a person that I didn't even, that I didn't either know them or their business or their persona from Instagram that, that almost upon immediately meeting them, did I find out that they they had some giant struggle, some issue, some shortcoming. We all have it. So if for you as a person, just not not looking at it 
is the best way, don't look at it. But the other thing is if you can remember this is a facade and every business struggles, that should help you. And and honestly, if you can just compare yourself to yourself, like I measure my success against like what my personal expectations are, not what the world thinks I should do. And that makes me sound like I'm awesome. I also can definitely fall into these trappings, but when I'm centered and focused, it's like, what am I hoping to achieve? And I, and am I achieving it? And am I doing my best every day? That's it. And if it's yes, 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 that's great. And if it's not, then I look at that. But the idea of that, there's one sort of like track that we're all on and there's, you know, one finish line and how we get there and who gets there first is, is actually important. It's not unless unless your business is you're an Olympic sprinter or something. I, I, I think otherwise we're fine. So I hope that helps. And remember, comparison is the thief of joy. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's so bad. It's caused me so much heartache over the years. Okay. Next cue. Okay, here's a good one from Brooke. I am an executive assistant. Oh my gosh, Jen Gotch, can you not <laughs> can you not pronounce words? I am an executive assistant and while I do enjoy this work for now, I want to grow and pursue a career that is more challenging. I'm not in a major rush, but I was wondering if you could give me some advice on how to figure out what the heck I should pursue. I was an assistant too, not an, an executive assistant, but I was a personal assistant and then I was an assistant food stylist and prop stylist before I went out on my own. And I would say being an assistant is one of the most valuable jobs you can have um, because it actually trains you on how to be a great manager and boss because um, you'll learn a lot from whoever it is you're assisting. Whether it's positive or negative, you, you will definitely learn. Um, the other thing is like you, you're exposed to a lot of different things. So if you're paying attention at work, you're probably, I don't, I don't know obviously what line of work you're in, but I think about, uh, Deb, shout out to Deb, my executive assistant who I know won't be my assistant for life, even though Deb, if you're listening, I'll give you everything you want. Cause you know, I love you, but you know, we, she and I have talked about that before too. And I'm like, Hey, you have all of these departments and all of these people and all of this work to be exposed to. Like, tell me where your interests lie and let's get you involved in that too. So I think I, to me, my, my first thing I would do is like talk to your boss and see how you can grow in your role and what else you can be exposed to, because that often helps you kind of understand where you may want to go. It, it's like such a great role to be in. I think it's the same reason why internships are so great. Like you kind of get a lens on things that you really wouldn't have the opportunity unless you actually just applied for a job in a specific department. So milk it for all it's worth. And I hope you have a great boss because great bosses are important in that process. Okay. This is from one of the 10 men that follow me on Instagram. Tommy. My name is Tommy and I'm 18. That makes you a man. My dream job is to be a television writer and comic. However, the idea of becoming those things makes me anxious. Do you think it's okay for a person's dreams to scare them, or should the career I pursue be something that makes me feel fearless? Did the idea of starting Bando make you feel afraid? 
Such a good question. Um, and I think something that a lot of us think about, and I, you know, one of the biggest things, um, that gets in the way of people actually pursuing what they want is fear. Um, I didn't have any fear with Bandeau, but that has more to do with ignorance than bravery. <laughs> but I don't think fear should keep you from your passion. And I also think if it's a true passion, it absolutely won't. It will just be an aspect of the journey. And to me, if that's something you want to do, then you need to start deconstructing like what the fear is and start identifying how to dismantle it, which which you're not going to lose your life becoming a television writer and comic. So then you can, you can dismantle the fear. There is a book called the war of art by Steven Pressfield that I I've talked about a couple of times that I found really helpful as far as like, um, approaching my anxieties and fears around creative projects that made me feel vulnerable or things that made me feel vulnerable. Oh, wow. Vulnerable. Yeah, that kind of sounds like the right way to say it. I would not play it safe with your life. <laughs> I mean, play it safe. Try not to jump out of too many planes. And if you feel in danger because a person's coming after you, run. But I mean, don't don't change your whole career path due to something that feels scary. I, I tend to think that sort of fear and anxiety is a sign that it's something you really care about. And honestly, something that I've tried to do lately to kind of flip my anxiety on its ear is to understand this is a little bit different, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you the story anyways, because I think you could apply it to a lot of things. I have a huge anxiety about people that I know and care about and, and pets that I know and care about dying or a house catching on fire or me being murdered. And I got to a point, I was so frustrated because it was really like, it was just taking up so much of my time and causing so much fear and anxiety. And then I realized I could be grateful for, for this. I could say, thank you, mind, for alerting me to the people and things that are important to me right now. Because if they weren't important, I wouldn't be worried about this. So thank you for helping me identify that. I don't need you to construct a narrative where they all die each day. So we can, let's work through that. But thank you for identifying that. So I think if you're feeling fearful about something that you're really interested in, it probably just means you really want it to work out and you're really passionate about it. So I would say pursue that. Mic drop, bitch. <laughs> I don't even know if that was that good of an answer. <laughs> okay. C-A-L-M-C-A-L-M-C-A-L-M. What's that spell? Calm. Are you stressed or anxious? What are your coping tools? Do you use the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation? I do. It's the Calm app. We've talked about this. We have talked about this because remember, I told you how much I loved the function where it it's a cool little circle that fills in and it says, breathe in, hold it, breathe out. That's what it sounds like when I do it. And I love it. I do it all the time, especially when I feel like I'm getting anxious. Sometimes just like focusing on one thing and focusing on my breath like that. 
really, really helps. Well, I found a new feature that I loved because I use this app like every day. It's called Scenes and it has, you can like hear all these wonderful sounds like there's tropical beach, sunset beach, mountain lake, rain on leaves. You can kind of hear it in the background right now. I like the tropical beach, but you can play it for like an hour, 10 minutes, whatever you want. And it really helps to just relax. I mean, you could probably sleep with it on. I feel like people use those like noise canceling things. This is much better. Anyways, have I sold you on this? I hope so because it's really, really good. And I know that so many of us are suffering, whether it's like having a hard time falling asleep, staying asleep, not being anxious, or just wanting to become more mindful in life. This is one great way to do it. For a limited time, JGOK listeners can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash JGOK, C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash JGOK. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content. Get started today at calm.com slash JGOK. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash J-G-O-K. Go team! Bye. All right. Jasmine says, Jasmine asks, Jasmine types Jasmine emails. If the lack of a fulfilling career or any career for that matter is the source of one's depression, which would you believe to be the most helpful? Therapy, career counseling, going back to school, all of the above. I'm suffering from a major identity crisis. I have no passion or career in my mind for myself. I'm good at a lot of things, but nothing gets my blood pumping and makes me want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm lost, unmotivated, and uninspired. I know this is the major source of all my anxiety on and off for about three years now. I work freelance, making enough money that it gets me by, but it's totally unfulfilling work. I feel stuck, like I don't have an identity or purpose, and it's taking a toll on all my relationships, most importantly, the relationship I have with myself. So I would actually say before even going to therapy, career counseling, back to school, um, and my answer would probably be all of the above because I think you've got to see what works for you. Um, the thing that you said at the end about your relationship that you have with yourself is probably the most important. And obviously I talk so much about emotional intelligence and self-awareness and just hearing you talk about this being the source of your depression and anxiety, I guess I just want to know, is that for sure the source? And is it not just when I think about feeling lost, unmotivated, and uninspired, sometimes to me that sounds like it could potentially be clinical depression. I, I'm not saying that it is. I'm obviously not diagnosing you. I'm basing this off of my own laziness isn't depression <laughs> thing that I figured out at some point in my life. Now that said, it's most likely a combination. You know, situational depression, which I talk about in that depression episode, is that depression episode. The episode that I talked about depression is that episode. So I think you could use therapy 
to identify if there is some some clinical depression there and then really identify for yourself what does it what would a fulfilling career look like and how will you find things that make you get your blood pumping and then what anxieties and fears are associated with that task because to me and I felt like this a lot when I was younger I just it it wasn't it hadn't been laid out for me in black and white. I, I I think something that has helped me a lot is like taking the emotions out of some of these decisions and just carving out what your path could look like. So like actually putting it to words when you're in a clear state and then obviously you're you're going to be emotional and things are going to make you feel good or bad and those those will help you make decisions. But to really look at like what does fulfillment mean what what are your passions and what does feeling lost and unmotivated and uninspired mean to you cuz i feel like once you've identified all of that you can work backwards from that and actually get yourself unstuck and then yeah career counseling is great i i would hold off going back to school until if if there's something that you know you're super passionate about and you need a degree in in order to get a job then then do that. But I think doing some self-exploration and then actually taking yourself out of it a little bit enough so that you can get a perspective on like what your suffering actually is and what are the true root causes of it and and how much of it is situational and how much of it is just in your brain and how can you can fix all of that. I mean, I am a true testament to that. That's why I feel so confident to to give you these suggestions because perspective, awareness, and emotional intelligence will really help. And then guidance from mentors, doctors, therapists, friends that are in the same position will will add value too. Good luck. You're going to do it. You'll be great. Okay. Oh, get in front of the mic, honey. We are recording long distance. Margaret says, I'm currently working as a high school art teacher and I love my life. I think in the next few years, I'd like to change it up. I've always had a vision that I'd own my own company, but I can't figure out what I'd do. So my question is, do you have any suggestions on how to cultivate a passion to build a business? Here's what I will say. Don't do it, Margaret. Teach that art. No, that's that's a promise I made to myself anytime anyone ever asked me how to start a company that I would tell them absolutely do not start a company. And then those that didn't listen and started it and then needed help again, I would help them because a lot of people told me not to do it and I didn't understand what they were talking about, but it is quite frankly the worst and also the best, but incredibly hard incredibly hard, especially if it's something you want to grow. Now, if you just want to have a small business that you, that the intention is to, for it to remain small and manageable, that's one thing. But if it's like something you're really trying to grow, it's incredibly hard and impossible to do on your own. Um, and it requires a lot of luck, a lot of perseverance and resilience and confidence and tenacity and luck. Did I already say luck? I should say luck four times because you need a lot of luck and great timing and all sorts of stuff. Money needs to fall out of the sky. Who knows? That being said, 
you know, I, I answered a question earlier about passions, you know, figure out what it is that you're interested in. Pay attention to where your mind wanders to or what your fantasies are about, you know, what you actually, so you see yourself doing something like there are meditations and things that you can do to sort of clear your mind of thoughts and, and let that vision come in and become more clear. Sometimes I ask my higher self to send me messages in my dreams, but I also do like these breathing techniques. This sounds so weird. And I lay in bed with a crystal on my head and then I just ask to receive the information and it works. So I think there's lots of ways to find out, you know, some things are as tactical as like make lists and do research and see what's out there and see what resonates. And then sometimes you just ask the spirit world for advice. (laughs) And I do all of the above. And so I think it's important. And you know what? If it's the right thing and it's right for you and it's the right time, it will happen. I would not force that. I see a lot of people that are tethered to the idea of being a business owner or an entrepreneur and they haven't found that thing and they force something else. And it is evident on the consumer side and it is evident just as as an outsider, as a fellow business person, and I'm sure it's evident to them. And you need so much more than that. You know, the thing about Bandel was that no matter what, no matter what was wrong, what was right, how it felt, how hard it was, it was the only thing I wanted to do. And that's actually what it takes, especially when you're starting. You know, the first couple of years, it has to be your sole purpose for it to really, really work. Now, again, you can also just have a side business. I mean, I had like a, I used to sell prints online. Um, That sounds like I I said prints, the artist, rest in peace. But I mean, P-R-I-N-T-S of some of my Polaroid photography. Um, That site might still be up somewhere. There's probably a ton of orders bank that I've never fulfilled. Okay. Kristen has a question. Hey, girl. All right, Kristen asks, I am an artist and I'm in the middle of a transition period where I'm trying to scale my business from selling mainly at art festivals and on Etsy to really expanding to stores in a wholesale market. I tried this in the past but got burned because I was hand painting every piece and I figured out that trying to wholesale original hand painted art just doesn't work, at least not for me. No, it's not just you, it's everybody. So I stopped doing it altogether. I recently found a local supplier and I'm making my original designs into cutout prints on wood and I want to start marketing to stores again as a wholesale line. Do you have any ideas or advice for this? Should I invest the huge chunk of change to get into a retailer mart or start by reaching out to shops in my area or both? Such a good question and I'm actually really excited to answer this because Breaking into wholesale was a huge challenge for Jamie and I um, before we sold the company. And we were making original one-of-a-kind pieces. So we were doing essentially what you were doing, which was trying to sell one-offs to wholesalers, which we we were able to do for a few, but it was really hard. And there's no way, as you have found and that everyone should know, is there's no way to scale that. So we realized that very quickly and that's why we evolved out of that. A few things about wholesale. First of all, the wholesale market in general has changed a lot in the last year and I suspect that it will continue to change. Retail as a whole is changing. Brick and mortar 
is changing. The digital space is changing. Um, you can expect that most retailers that you reach out to will want a digital element. So they'll, you know, a lot of times they just want to sell on .com. Um, but I don't think that the market has reset and settled on that reset yet. So just be aware that you're sort of going into something that is a little bit tumultuous. I will say that I think there's something special about independent stores because they can like be a little bit more I can never remember this word. It's not versatile. Agile? That's what it is. And like sort of respond to the changing market. So and I think with art too, I love the idea of like you mentioned reaching out to local stores. I, I think that's a great way to do it. I would not recommend putting down a huge chunk of change for anything that has to do with wholesale right now. I think getting your getting the plans for your product in order. So understanding that if scaling the business means finding a way to reproduce your art or if, you know, to appeal to a broader, broader audience, sorry, for the answer to appeal to a broader, broader audience. If it's like you have handmade products that you want to make more of and you need them manufactured or whatever that is, however you're going to scale the product piece, I would figure that out, get your costing right, create margins that make sense for wholesale, which is different than direct to consumer margins, because remember that a wholesaler will, will want to mark up your price too. So a much bigger margin that you need to create. Understand if that's even possible, because if not, you could just try and go to the direct to consumer route and empower your own website, maybe taking it, taking your work off of Etsy and actually just having your own.com. But I would kind of figure out the full strategy before you invested any money. And that will also give the market time to settle. I wouldn't go into a mart. I'm not even sure that I would do trade shows. It's so hard right now. I really would just get a plan together and actually see how viable. Maybe there's even like an actual business strategy person that you could talk to that could look at it and like let you know how scalable it is. And then Yes, try some local stores because see how – I mean, obviously, the beauty of being in a store is is twofold. You get in front of a bigger audience than if you're not in a store, and you also get feedback and understand if your product translates in person to people, which is really important and you know something that I love a lot about being able to open our doors and have people come in and shop – uh, in real life, and I get to talk to them and see what people go to without being prompted and what they pick up and put down and what they actually buy. So there's a lot of information there. But I just wouldn't I wouldn't invest too much. I would do I would I would lean into the strategy part right now and then continue to just keep your eyes and ears pricked <laughs> to see what's happening. There are always great articles being written about how how that whole market is changing. And again, con continue to think about what you can do to empower yourself and your own business. That's going to be really important as things progress. Rachel asks, I just wondered, how do you know when to give up with a chosen career path? Is it when you don't seem to be getting anywhere and getting the opportunities? Is that a sign that it isn't right for you, especially for a creative slash freelancer? I think there's lots of ways to identify when it's time to move on. 
I'm a big believer on if you're on the right path, the opportunities do come because I feel like the energy that you're putting in, you receive back and you will see that things become quite effortless. I That's happened to me a lot. On the flip side, when things start to fizzle or it feels neutralized or like there's just no energy around it, it's definitely a good time to look at that. I think the important thing is to always remain introspective and to understand, is that not happening because of the energy and passion that you feel towards what you're doing? And if it if that is part of the contributor, why are you feeling that way? Is it because you're being challenged or you're not being challenged? Or, hey, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be and I'm no longer interested? Or is there something in the back of your mind that's like, I actually want to be doing this, but I'm scared to be doing that? Like, I think that between thought and reaction, there is time for introspection. And that's something that we lose. We lose in, in this fast paced world we live in where it's just like thought, reaction, thought, emotion, you know, there's actually this space that we can create between those two things and, and really allow ourselves to like dissect and think about and introspect and understand why we're feeling how we're feeling. And it gives us so much more information to, to make a better call, a better decision. The other thing that like that I found sometimes, like I was a so I was an assistant prop food and prop stylist for a while, then I became my own my own boss, my own prop stylist. Uh that doesn't make any sense. I went from assistant to actually being the lead. And I did that for many years. And for many years, I was incredibly fueled by it. And then at a certain point, you know, I just wasn't being challenged. It felt monotonous. It still felt fun. Always will be grateful for having those opportunities in that job. What a great career and exciting and all that stuff and challenging. But that started to kind of pivot. And it just, it's like I had done everything. And I just wasn't waking up as excited as I was. The beauty is it's like I I was able to then like get into some art direction and then I realized from there like actually I think I want to be the photographer and I got into that. So if you're in a creative field or freelancing oftentimes there are there are next steps to what you're doing either it's a step to the side or a step up that may make it so that you're able to utilize the skills that you have, but continue to grow it through another position. And I've seen lots of people do that with a huge amount of success. So something also to consider. Well, thank you for listening. You are such a good listener. You really, really are. I will be back with more honor roll style Q&A shows on mental health, relationships, self-care. And honestly, who knows? I'm open. Maybe we'll even get to do a live version. That would be cool, right? If you know someone who these insights will help, please share this episode with them. And if you have any questions, that email again is jgok at bando.com. Just put the category of your question in the subject line. Okay. Oh, and check out Bando's honor roll series, especially if you're in the LA area. And if not, we just launched a Facebook group called the honor roll networking group. And that will be a huge resource for you as well. I promise. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.
What do you know about the after show? It's the JGOK after show. You don't know about the after show, but it's the show after the show. After the show, after the show. The record's skipping. After the show, after the show, where I'm gonna tell you a little about a new habit I have that's kind of embarrassing because you're like, why haven't you always done this? I'm gonna stop trying to sing now because it doesn't sound like singing. It just sounds bad. Uh, so I think I mentioned this before. I'm not sure, but I got my level one Reiki healing attunement. Google it if you don't know what it means, but basically it's like the first step to becoming a healer, but also if you have Ricky healing performed on you, it's supposed to help. Anyways, that's not even what I'm here to tell you. I'm just saying that when I was doing that, the girl who was performing the attunement was telling me like daily practices that you could do to help like stay clear and feel focused. And she was like, do you shower every day? (laughs) And I was like, no. I mean, some days I don't sweat, so I don't feel like I'm that dirty, and I've never been a huge lover of the shower. That's not to say, I mean, listen, when times got dark, there were long periods in between showers, but like when I'm feeling good, you know, sometimes I don't shower. I definitely shower after leg fit, leg fit, leg fit, but yeah, sometimes I just go to sleep, and she was like, it's really good to shower and like slough off the day or if you're, if something's not going right and you can reset and just like exfoliate and, you know, it's just 10 minutes and be mindful and just like be conscious of what you're doing in the shower. And then that's great. (laughs) Anyways, it works. I just got out of the shower. And I got those little exfoliating gloves, very satisfying. You just put them on, you're like a shower clown, and you rub them all over your body, and you feel so great. And then I put some coconut oil all over myself, like a slathery tropical treat. And then I just go after it. So I hope you will, too. That's it. How great is it that I have this after show? I can do whatever I want here. Bye.